Amen. Let's turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 6. And I know we've, we've spent a lot of time on these verses 1 through 10 in chapter 6, but uh, Lord willing, we'll, maybe we'll move on to verse 11 next week. But um, I'll finish up on verse 10 this morning, hopefully. But uh, we're going to be in verse 10, but just kind of as a little kind of as a little reminder, maybe. Um, I'm going to read verse. I'm going to read verse three, uh, and part of verse four, and then read verse ten. And Paul says in verse three, "Giving no offense in anything, that the ministry be not blamed, but in all things approving ourselves as the ministers of God." And then in verse ten, "As sorrowful yet always rejoicing, as poor yet making many rich, as having nothing and yet possessing all things." And what I'd like for us to think about this morning is, is, the, the, is as poor, yet making many rich, as having nothing, and yet possessing all things. And boy, how, how true that is when, 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 for those of us that are saved this morning, how true it is that it doesn't matter what we've got in this world, material-wise, physical-wise, we've got something that, that, that people that aren't saved just don't understand. And, and it's what the world needs. I mean, we all know that. But, um, you know, Paul and the apostles, we know they, they weren't rich in material things. I mean, they were not rich by any, in any fashion by man's standards. I mean, none of them were. Paul, or none of, none of them, none of them. But in the message that they were sharing with people and the knowledge that they had, that they had to share, what God had given them to share... I mean, they were rich. I mean, they were rich beyond anything that we, just like us this morning. I mean, really, we're rich beyond, I, I think so many times I get frustrated with myself sometimes when, you know, just, well, you know, this, I just get frustrated with this flesh because I just think, you know, how good God is to me that he took the time one day to invite me to be part of his family. You know, I mean, I, and, and I lose sight of that way too often. But uh, he's worthy to be praised this morning. He's given us something that nobody else can give us. And, uh, and it's really the only thing we need. When it comes right down to it, it's all we need. I mean, if we have salvation, we have a promise of going to heaven one day, that's all we need. I mean, if we have that, I'm a firm believer that God's going to take care. He's going to take care of the rest. Okay? All we got to do is, is, is ask him, get into his family. I mean, what a, what, a, what a wonderful deal it is. I mean, and I don't mean to shortchange it, but I mean, it, what, a, what a wonderful opportunity it is that he gives to every person that will just accept, to come into his family that will just accept. But so, um, and they had, you know, they had the ability and the desire. That's the thing. They had the, they, God gave them the ability, but they also had the desire to share the knowledge that God had given them with others so that they could be rich. I mean, they wanted others to be rich in the knowledge and in what they had. They didn't want to keep it just for themselves and tell people about it. They wanted to, I mean, they wanted to share it in order for others to get it. And um, I, I thought, you know, I thought about uh, back in Acts chapter 3. I'm going to read this couple of verses here. But this is when, when Peter and John were walking, they were going into the temple. This is in Acts chapter 3, verse 2. I'm going to read verses 2 through 8. And you know, this, this lame man that was laying there, he was looking for money. You know, I mean, and, and I'm not faulting him for that, okay, because that's, that was his life. 
But the day that these two men came by, they gave him something that only God could give to him. And, 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 but, and they had to give it to him. I mean, they, through, they had to share it with him so that God then could move upon this man. And I, I just, uh, you know, I just think how that he received something that only God could give him. He was looking for something else. He was looking for worldly. And man, he got way more than what he was looking for that day. Man, I dare say, the night I knelt at the altar and got saved, <laughs> I got way more than what I ever imagined I would ever get. I mean, I think we'd all say that. I mean, he, I tell you, he's, he's, he's wonderful Lord to serve, I tell you. He's wonderful. But uh, Acts chapter 3, verse 2. I'm going to read verses 2 through 8. Listen, and I like what it says here. He says, And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms of them that entered into the temple, who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asking alms. And Peter, fastening his eyes upon him with John, said, Look on us. You know what? That's all the Lord is asking us to do. You know, before, we got, before I got saved, that's all he asked me to do. I mean, he, can, he started dealing with me, but he said, look to me. You know, I mean, that's, look to me and I'll change you forever. And now as a believer, I think about how the, he's still telling me, just look to me, Greg. Just look to me. You know, every day, look to me. If you want to live right, look to me. If you want to help, if you want to serve me, look to me. I mean, and Peter said, fascinating his eyes upon him, he said, look on us. And he gave heed unto them, expecting to receive something of them. Yeah, he received something of them from God. He received some, but he was looking for money. He was looking for a material thing. Then Peter said, silver and gold have I none. But such as I give I thee in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand, lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. And he leaping up stood and walked and entered with him into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. You said, why are you reading that? Because Paul tells us right here, as having nothing and yet possessing all things, as poor yet making many rich. I mean, to me, that's a prime example. That's, to me, that's the, it's the salvation message. I mean, and he even told him, he even told the man, he said, silver and gold have I none. I don't have anything material to give you, but I got something a whole lot better, a whole lot better. So um, I thought, you know, how Paul and the other apostles, again, by appearance, they had nothing. But what they had to share with people was everything that they needed. You know, and it's no different today. Those of us that are saved, I mean, we've got, we've got the thing that people need. They don't understand that, but we've got what they need in Christ. And through the Holy Spirit that he's given to us, we have what they need. But um, inside of them, they had possession of all things. And you know, you think about that. We do too. We've got possession. I mean, God's, I mean, God will give to us, and I'm getting way ahead of myself here, but God will give to us, if we're asking for his glory, he's not going to hold anything back from us. Okay, now I don't mean material things. I'm talking about from a spiritual perspective, from a, from a biblical perspective. If we ask of him, he's going to give us anything and everything that we need, that we're desiring, as long as it is that we're desiring to use it to honor him, to glorify him, and to grow closer to him. And Pastor Tom, if I'm saying something wrong here, um, so I thought about how, you know, in all this, you know, when, when this man got up and walked, I'm sure right out of the gate, 
there was plenty of them that, that praised the Lord, but I'm also sure right out of the gate, there was plenty of them. There was the skeptics, and there were the, the naysayers, and all that were right there to, to start in, you know? No different today. You know, I think it's so true how, and, 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 and Tom and Josh both say this time and time again when they're preaching, you know, people haven't changed any. I mean, you know, I, I just think, you know, I, I look at, at me, and I just think all, all the thing that's changed is, is how we live from, a, from, a, from a, a cultural perspective. But us, in and of ourselves, we're not a bit different than what these people were back two, three, four thousand years ago. We're not a bit different. We might think we are, <laughs> but we're not, okay? And, and I thought how people perceived the gospel, how they perceived it back then. I mean, you had plenty of folks that, that there was a lot of folks that believed, there was a lot of folks that didn't believe. Like I said, my, my point about people not changing, same way today. There's folks that believe today, and there's folks that don't believe. And unfortunately, I think there's a whole lot more that are choosing not to believe. But, but either way, the, the thing is, it's, it's how people perceive God's word. And I thought about the word paradox. And paradox, just, just as a little refresher, you know, paradox means this. It's a subject or a topic and listen close to what, what this word means. It's, it's, a, it's a subject or a topic that is contrary to received opinion and even considered absurd, okay, but yet it is true in fact, okay? So you think about these, these verses I just, we just read here, as poor yet making many rich, as having nothing and yet possessing all things. You can kind of see where I'm going with this. I mean, there's a, the perception of people when they look at, at, at Christians, when they look at, at, at the, the gospel, they perceive that as they don't want to believe it, okay? Many in Paul's day considered the gospel contrary to their beliefs, okay? <laughs> but that didn't change the truth of the gospel, okay? It didn't change it. Many today considered the, go considered the gospel contrary to their beliefs. Let me tell you right now, but praise God, it does not change the fact that the gospel is true, Okay, the gospel's true. Okay, it doesn't matter whether people think it is or not. Okay, whether I mean I can stand here and try to share with you. It doesn't matter what I think. You know, it, my <laughs> I'm not to stand up here and share with you what I think. I'm to stand up here and share with you what I try to glean from God's word. I mean, that's what matters. That's the truth. And you know, this morning, <laughs> I know God is real. This morning. Okay, I know God's word is true this morning, and I'm glad that one day he called me to invite me into his family, because he's the only one that could do that. And, I mean, <laughs> he invited me in to serve him. I don't mean he invited me in to, to be standing up here trying to, to share. Okay, what I mean is he invites every single person, whosoever will, he invites to come into his family why? To serve him, to live for him. That's what, I, when I say serve, I'm not talking about a, a position specifically. I'm talking about a lifestyle, to honor him, to serve him, to live for him. That's what he wants out of us. And, but you know, I had to, I had to exercise faith in order to believe. Okay. I had to put my own, didn't matter what I thought. When God spoke to me, I mean, I could tell, I can still remember, I've told y'all before, People were praying, I know, because I got under conviction. I'm telling you, I mean, I can remember. It's been 20-some years ago, but I remember. And I knew, didn't matter what I thought, 
I was in the midst of something that I didn't have any idea what was going on, but I knew I didn't have any control over it. I can tell you that right now. And I knew that whatever it was, something had to give. (laughs) And it wasn't somebody else, it was me. And I mean, but anyway, I don't know how that got in there. But anyway, let's let's turn back to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Verse 25. But this, this paradox, you know, I, I thought about that, and I just kind of sat and thought about that word, and I just thought how sad it is that people just want to go on what they think's right, on what they believe, and they just want to try to say that God's word is not true. And I mean, that's just how sad that is. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 25 to 29, and this kind of tells us why. You know, and when I read these verses, don't think that just because God called us, that he considers us to be foolish, that he considers us not to be smart, that he considers us not to possess any kind of knowledge. That's not what these verses are saying. What these verses are telling us is that the world chooses to view God's word as foolish. The world chooses, people that are unsaved, choose to believe that the book, of, that God's word is not true, that it's not knowledge, that it's not wisdom. That's what, that's what Paul's telling us here. So in 1 Corinthians, let me find it here, verse 25 in chapter 1 says this, For ye see your calling, brethren. Well, I tell you how blessed we are this morning. How blessed we are this morning to be part of his family. I'm telling you. For ye see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, and God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty and base things of the world and things which are not despised hath God chosen, yea, and things which are not to bring to naught things that are. And here's the kicker. Right here is what it all comes down to, that no flesh should glory in his presence. All the glory goes to him. All the glory goes to him. But, but he's called us in spite of what the world thinks. His word is true. He is God. And he's called us to be part of his family. What a, what a privilege it is. But, you know, he called me. He extended an invitation to me one day. And I had to accept that invitation. He didn't, he didn't force his way into, into my life. He did not. He, he invited me to come in. And he, he invited me to allow him to come in to my life. And I thought about how I had to exercise faith to believe. And I thought about faith. And, you know, I had to say, yes, Lord, I believe. I believe that you are who I've heard men preach that you are over the last 30, 40 years, or however long it was. But in uh, Hebrews 11.1, 1, I thought about, how, you know, familiar verse says this. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. You know, we see faith all the way through the Bible. And I just, I just uh, as, I, as I went through and studied this, I just, man, what a blessing it is. You, you go all the way back into Genesis. Abel exercised his faith in God, okay? He was killed, but he exercised his faith in God, okay? He placed his faith in God. Not in man, not in his family. He placed his faith in God. Enoch, he lived such a life of faith for God that he didn't die. He was translated. God just said, you're coming home. 
We might experience something like that. If he comes back before we die, it be, might be something similar to that, right? You're coming home, and we're out of here. But, you know, Noah, you know, his faith, and you think about this, his faith sustained him. He was 500 years old. If I read right and studied right, 500, the first 500 years of his life, he kept faith in God, in a godless society for the most part. And then for sure, the hundred years that he was building the ark in a godless society, he kept his faith in the Lord. I dare say, if I can't stay true and faithful to him in the world and the kind of comfort I've got, shame on me. I mean, I'm telling you, you think what he went through. But, oh man, it gets better. Abraham answered God's call in faith. He left his whole country, left his whole family, and he traveled in search of a new country. Man, I like this. Hebrews 11 says, For he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. I thought about how Abraham lived in tents. You know, and I think about tents. Tents don't have much foundation. <laughs> I mean, you've got a couple stakes and that's it. Good wind comes along, you better have it hunkered down good because otherwise it's you and it are going. It didn't have a foundation. But he was looking for something that he knew had a real foundation. He was looking for that city of solid foundations, that city of rest that his faith had revealed to him. You know, he lived over 4,000 years ago, and he died in faith, believing that he was going to go to that city. He didn't see it, but he died in faith believing that he was going to go, that he's going to be there, that, it, that, that someday he would get there. By faith, he did see it. That's right. <laughs> That's right. That's right. 4,000 years later, I can stand here and tell you that I'm looking for that same city in faith, in Jesus Christ, in asking forgiveness of my sins and accepting Christ. I'm looking for that city. One of these days, I'm going there. Okay? I, I can't tell you exactly. But I got an idea. The Bible gives us an idea of what it's like, and I know it's real. And I'm going. I'm going. And I mean, what, what a privilege. I know I've said it a thousand times this morning, but what a privilege it is to know that he desires us. He wants us to come and be with him one of these days. And not only that, he don't want us to wait till we get there. He wants us right now to be serving him and living for him, and, and we are with him. I mean, anyway, so, amen, amen, praise his name, I'm telling you, praise his name. Hebrews chapter 11, no, I'm not going to read the whole chapter, so don't get, <laughs> but there's something here that, I like this, last part, Hebrews 11 verses 32 through 40. You know, we, you all know these verses. I mean, it, goes, it takes us through all of the, all of the, the patriarchs, the, the prophets and such, different folks. And in verse 32 it says, And what shall I more say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and of, and of Barak and of Samson and of Jephthah, of David also and Samuel and of the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms, rout righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouth of lions, quenched the violence of fire, 
escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in fight, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead, raised to life again, and others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. And others had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings, yea, moreover of bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn asunder, were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented. Look at what it says right here. Of whom the world was not worthy. We're going to someplace a whole lot better in this world. Okay, God's blessed me. He's given me a wonderful life here. I mean, and it all comes from him. But we're going somewhere that, that doesn't even... This place doesn't even have a shadow of of good compared to where we're going one of these days. It says, says, Of whom the world was not worthy, they wandered in deserts and in mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. And these all, having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise. God having provided some better thing for us, that they without us should not be made perfect. I say, praise the Lord. And this morning I went on, I'm going to read verse 1 and 2. It says this in chapter 12. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight in the sin which which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God, Listen to this. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest you be wearied and faint in your minds. You say, why are you reading that? This whole chapter 6, all these things we've been talking about that Paul and the apostles went through, it's all summed up right here in those couple of verses. Bottom line is, realize there's going to be difficulties. There's going to be people against us. There's going to be folks that don't like the gospel. You know what? I've come to the conclusion I don't care whether they like it or not because I know it's true, I know it's real and in a loving way, okay, don't get me wrong but in a loving way, I want to try to get, help them understand that they need Jesus before they die y'all don't seem too excited about that, but anyway <laughs> so Paul understood the promise you know, I thought about that Paul understood the promise the promise was way bigger than Paul Way bigger. It's way bigger than us. But the promise is what we've been talking about. It's the gospel. That's the promise. That's the life. And the promise is everlasting. Being part of God's family, that's the promise. So he knew it was the greatest possession that any man could have. That's how he survived. I believe that. That's how he survived. That's how he endured. I mean, he knew Christ was with him. He knew the Holy Spirit was with him. But I think the driver was, it's like, look, i got to tell people there's a better way. You know? And there's a life after this world's over with. There's a life after this. Um, Colossians chapter 1, if you turn back a couple pages, maybe more than a couple. But Colossians chapter 1, let me find it here. Verse 21 through 24. And listen to what these verses say. It says, And you that were sometime alienated and enemies 
in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. If you continue in the faith, grounded and settled, and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel, which ye have heard and which was preached to every creature which is under heaven, whereof I, Paul, am made a minister. And listen to what he says in verse 24. Who now rejoice in my sufferings for you and fill up that which is behind of the afflictions of Christ in my flesh for his body's sake, which is the church. You know, I thought about that verse just kind of hit me, and I sat and I read it and I thought about it. You know, he's telling us that he's taken his place in the ministry of the gospel. I believe that's what Paul's telling us here. He's, he's saying, I'm taking my place. I'm taking my place. And I'm, he's standing with Christ. I believe that's what he's telling us in that verse. I'm standing with Christ. I'm preaching and I'm teaching the gospel as, as Christ has called me to do. And, and because of this, I'm suffering and I'm enduring. I'm enduring physical and mental persecution and affliction because I'm standing with Christ. I believe that's what he's telling us in that verse. And I mean, I tell you, that, that is, a, that is a, a powerful verse, if, I, I believe, because if you look at that, I think people can take it the wrong way. He's not saying anything about he's sharing the pain and the suffering that Christ, only Christ, that was, that was in and of Christ alone. But he's saying, I'm, I'm, taking, I'm standing with him, and because I'm standing with him, I'm suffering. You know, and I tell you, just like I said earlier, if we're going to truly stand for Christ and stand for the gospel and spread the gospel, as he's called us all to do, we may suffer a little bit of pain here and there. But boy, just like Paul said, what little bit of pain here, how's that compare to the glory over there? I mean, think about that. So Paul's telling us that to preach and to teach, this is, this, to me, this is kind of all sums it up. It cost him. It cost him something. It cost him being thrown in jail. It cost him being beat. I'm sure he was humil humiliated. I'm sure that outside of the close circle of believers, he probably didn't have any friends. How does that pertain to us? Do you care? Do I care? You know, I mean, am I more worried about whether I got some friends around or this or that? Or am I more worried about, is Christ pleased? with how I'm living. And I think that he had, he knew, I can't get into the words, but I just think about when he met Christ on the road, when he met him that day. I mean, that changed him in a way that nobody else could change him. And I think about each one of us, we say the same thing. When we got saved, that Christ changed us as nobody else can. And he did. His spirit did change us. But he never forgot it. Yeah. And I think, too, I mean, I'll throw this in. I think, too, he, what he was before. I mean, he persecuted. I mean, he knew he persecuted the church as, as nobody else probably, I won't say nobody else ever did, but he was definitely right up there. And he knew that. I think that drove him to want to help people understand that, hey, the gospel is real. So, you know, he, he paid a price. And like I said, he, 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 in many different ways. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to end up with these last couple of comments. But 
J. Vernon McGee said this, and, and he referenced, a, I didn't write this down, but if I can remember, I'm going to share it too. can't remember the preacher, but he, he referenced a preacher who had said, you know, that, that for, for a woman to give birth, that, that they have to travail, that there's some pain and there's some suffering involved in order to give birth to a new child. And he correlated, he correlated that to people being saved. And he said, you know, the problem, and this is back, keep in mind, this is J. Vernon McGee wrote this, and he lived back, I don't know, 20, 30 years prior, 40 maybe. Um, part of the problem with the church, he said, is because there's not enough of us that are willing to travail to see people born again, to see people born into the church. And he says this, this is J. Vernon McGee said this, said, my friend, I like his words, or if you've never read after him, you got to read something he writes one of these sometime when you've got a little bit of extra time. He's, it's good. But he says, my friend, may I say to you that if the gospel is going to go forward today and if people are going to be saved, someone is going to have to pay a price. And you think about that. And I mean, that kind of stuck with me. I mean, it's going to take some effort, is it not? If people are going to be saved, it's going to take some effort. And here's the things, the, the things that I thought about. And I'm talking about me. How much effort am I making to spread God's word? How much effort am I making? How much am I paying? I'm not talking about money-wise. I'm talking about time-wise, person-wise. How much am I paying to get out the word of God? What is it really costing me to spread God's word? And if it's not costing me something then I'm probably not doing enough to spread God's word.